This is the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 117. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm your host, Monica Louie, and today I've got another incredible interview heading your way. My guest today is an agency owner and coach who has been extremely intentional about growing and scaling her business in a way that aligns with her ideal lifestyle. And we talk all about how she's done that and more. But first, if you're new to the podcast and you don't know me yet, I want to welcome you. I'm your host, Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ads strategist. I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six, seven, and eight-figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than $3 million in ad spend and served thousands of students and clients, and we are in the trenches every single day keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. As you know, Facebook and Instagram ads are always changing. So if you want to stay in the know with all the changes, I invite you to join my free email newsletter. When you join at monicalouie.com slash guide, you will get my free Facebook ad starter kit as a bonus. Now, this podcast is all about what it takes to flourish to seven figures. And my guest has a heart for helping online business owners. My guest today is the lovely Kelsey Kerslake. Kelsey is CEO, creative director, and business coach at Pinegate Road and the Aligned Business Academy. And over the last decade, she's helped hundreds of online business owners build their brands and online presences. She believes deeply that everyone has the potential to make their dreams a reality and has a passion for supporting online service providers, coaches, and educators to help them lead businesses and live lives that are fulfilling and profitable. In this interview, Kelsey shares how she grew her agency while working her full-time job, the unexpected challenges she faced as a full-time business owner once she left her corporate job. She also talks about the unconventional lifestyle she dreamed about and how she makes decisions to create her aligned business, the steps she took to design her business to run and grow without her, We talk about how to overcome the fear of raising your prices and a whole lot more. Now, before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 117. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number 117. This was such a great conversation and I know that you're going to get a ton out of it. So let's dive in. Here's my interview with Kelsey Kerslake from Pinegate Road. Hey, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Monica, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So tell everyone who you are and what you do. 
Yes. So my name is Kelsey Kerslake. I'm the CEO and founder of two different businesses. Pinegate Road is our branding and web design agency, which was my first business. And then I was actually able to scale that successfully with team and kind of take a step back personally. And I started mentoring other business owners in how to do that as well. And I started what is now called the Aligned Business, which is our coaching and mentorship programs for online entrepreneurs. So cool. So I'm so fascinated by your story. I would love to dive into how you even got into all of this. I was telling you before we hit record, we have a similar business model where I've got an agency, but then also the teaching and program side of things. So how did you even start building your first business? What made you want to become your own boss? Was it something you always dreamed about? What did that look like? Yeah. So I think I always dreamed about becoming my own boss one day. But I felt like I had to do this like work in corporate, earn your chops, like before I could ever step out and do it on my own. And so I got a degree in graphic design. I got my BFA at the University of Iowa. I immediately went to grad school because that was during, you know, the the past recession, 2009-ish time. And I was like, I'm not going to get a job right now. Like might as well go to grad school. And then I moved to Savannah, Georgia, where I got my my master in fine arts in brand strategy and graphic design. And I started a little lifestyle blog on the side while I was working there called Pinegate Road. And what was interesting is that people saw my blog. I designed it because that was my background. And I started making a lot of connections in the online space. And this was before people knew what blogging was, before people understood what a blogger was. Like I was telling people and they're like, what in the world? But now obviously such a normal thing. And I started creating websites and logos and different things for other bloggers. And over a couple years, this actually turned into a full-fledged studio where I was offering like signature packages, web design, working with developers. And I still didn't feel like it was something that I could take full-time. It was definitely earning a great side income, but I didn't feel ready to own my own business and really, you know, have that support me long-term, even though in my gut, that was what I really wanted to be doing. And so I figured if I was going to get a job anywhere, I would get a job doing hand lettering because that was one of the focuses that I had in grad school. And so I applied for the two businesses in the whole country that have full-time hand lettering positions, which is Hallmark and American Greetings. And so I interviewed at both, ended up in Cleveland, Ohio to work for American Greetings, where I designed stationery and stickers for Target. And I actually have like my hand lettering all across the country. Some of it is still there. And I spent three years in corporate where I was doing that. And I really love diving into the business side of things. So like what designs were actually making the biggest impact to somebody's bottom line and what finishings could we use in order to save money or you know, have it attract a different type of client and like raise the prices. And a lot of those analytics, I didn't realize that I was so interested in. And so it's this kind of like business side, but design side. And yeah, anyway, that was really fun for me to, to learn about. And I was simultaneously growing my, my side business at the same time. I knew at that point that I wanted to take that full-time one day, but I thought I'd be in corporate for 15 years before I did that. And I ended up only being there for three years before I took it full-time 
And it was actually diving into kind of that, that team building side of stuff. It was actually during when I was working full-time that I decided to build a team because we were getting so many inquiries that I couldn't keep up with it. And I was like, I can either, you know, have this booked out wait list and only make X amount of dollars, or I can actually bring on more people onto my team and art direct everything that's coming out of our studio and be able to scale while I'm working in corporate. So that was really my first foray into being able to scale by having the power of team behind us. And so I did that while I was in corporate and I eventually took it full time in 2016. And we've been growing from there. I have lots more to go into, but I'm like, I just gave you a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. I love that journey. So you were following the traditional path. You kind of had it in the back of your mind of wanting to have your own business, even started it on the side, but just thought that you had to get to some specific place in your corporate career before you could make that leap. What was that for you that you felt like you had to get to a specific place or was there some kind of metric around that for you? And then what led you to eventually then, you know, not going the whole 15 years, but after quitting your corporate job after three years, making that full, full-time. Yeah. Leap. So, you know, there was no metric. I just, I think I thought I would feel like more confident or ready or something, or like I needed to, you know, work through so many promotions and like get this like positioning in corporate before I felt like I had the chops to be able to run my own business. And I realized very quickly that that was not the case and that I actually was able to go run my business and make a really great living with the thing that I was growing on the side at the time. And what really showed me that was two things. So that last year, I actually made more in my business than I did in my salary. And so I was like, well, there's a thing. <laughs> like, why don't I just take this full time? And then I also had a, a had some health issues. So I was diagnosed with endometriosis And I was actually put on FMLA and in bed for many weeks out of the month because of this significant health circumstance that I was going under. At the same time, I was engaged to my now husband. We were planning a wedding and we knew that kids would be in the future. And so this is, I make a lot of decisions from what I call is like future me. I'm always telling people like, what would future you do? And really deciding on things based on where you want to be heading instead of you know, the fears and the things that you're feeling in the here and now. And so I really looked to future me at that point. And I said, okay, if all of these things are happening, if I have this health stuff going on, if I want to be, you know, working on my own business one day, if I want to be having a family, what would that ideal circumstance look like? And so I took all of that into consideration and I said, you know, I'd love to be able to run a business, maybe like two days a week and have that supporting me in earning a really great salary, but also having the freedom and flexibility to be a mom and actually be there in the day to day with my children. And so it was right then that I realized, you know what, if I'm going to go into that journey, I should quit my job now and build this sustainably so that I can go into, you know, maternity leave and having babies with a really solid business behind me instead of like taking it full time and scrambling and like figuring that all out with children. So I made that decision a couple of years before I ended up having my son and that was the catalyst for it. I love that so much. That whole idea of 
making decisions from future you. And do you ever find in working with people, because I know that you help people now with this, that mm-hmm. people are kind of scared or hesitant to really go there? And if so, how do you kind of coach them through that? Mm, all the time, Monica. Yeah, they definitely are scared. What I find so often is people don't actually take the time to think about future them. They're so in the day to day. They are using past circumstances as reasons for what will happen in the future. So obviously that would kind of like make sense because you're like, I've only experienced all of these things. So of course that same stuff is going to happen. And Yes. If you continue to make choices from what has happened in the past, you're only going to get more of the same. And so when you actually can take that step back and design and figure out where you want to be heading, if you removed all of those barriers and obstacles, you can actually start to lean into what that future you looks like, and then start to make those decisions and alignment with that. And it is really freaking scary. (laughs) It is not comfortable. You have to change basically like a lot of things about yourself and how you process things and you make decisions in a different way to actually change into that future self. So yeah, it's, it, this is why so many people, you know, don't see the success that they want to in their lives because they're afraid of, you know, the financial commitment, they're afraid of what will go wrong. They're afraid that if they actually reach the success that they desire, that maybe the people around them won't love them. Like that is a really big fear. There's these deep seated things that can come up with a transition like this. And we kind of just open it all up and get it all out there instead of like keeping it bubbling behind the surface. Yeah. I think that, I think that's so important to acknowledge. And to me, it just seems like if you're going to make decisions from your future self, then you've got to have the faith in yourself that you can really create that. And so that can be the scary part because there is that uncertainty of like, I've never done this before, but I just know like from my experience, when I, when I too was in corporate and dreamed of being my own boss one day, but I didn't even know what that would look like. I just had faith that I would figure it out as I kind of made that leap myself. So mm-hmm. I think that I think that's such a great way to look at it because I do know the times for me when I kind of get stuck in old patterns, it's because I'm looking at, you know, coming from a place of fear and looking at things from the past that, you know, that seems like it's a sign of the future, but in reality, we have so much more control over how we can really shape our future. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So going back to you making the leap for your, to do this full time, but you had this idea of what that would look like. So did you right away, you mentioned working only a couple of days a week. Did you start off that way? Or did you start off working in your business full time? I know you had health issues at the time. So what did, what did that transition from corporate to running your own business look like? It was a mess. Which is a huge reason why I like now have our programs because I'm like, please, everybody learn from all of the mistakes I made. So I don't know if you have this, Monica, but I left my corporate job and I had felt so like stifled in a way, I guess my like Mm -hmm. creativity, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have the time to do all of these things and these ideas that I have. And so my first year, I actually just allowed myself to do all of the things that I was thinking about. And it's interesting because this is something I 
give people advice on not to do now. But I I started just like launching programs and I started my podcast and I like did all of the things and it actually spread myself way too thin. My messaging was not clear. We didn't have one solid product or process because I was like, we can do everything. And so my first year was actually a hot mess. And I ended up one year into my business. I had, you know, had that great year before because I was so streamlined and so process oriented because I had to be. And one year later, I was probably spending like 40 to 60 hours a week scrambling and like trying to get clients and like figuring things out. And it was not good. And I was seeing some success here and there, but nothing was really adding up. I was pricing myself way too low to actually reach the goals that I wanted to reach in my business. And so it ended up being exactly one year after I left full-time, I was applying for jobs. I didn't, I was going to be giving up my business because I didn't, I was working 60 hours a week and barely, you know, making my rent. (laughs) And my husband was like, okay, like this is clearly not working out. Like we need to change something up. And so there was this one week where I was second in line for a really exciting position or so I thought at the time. And I found out that I did not get the job and I was like, crap, I guess I have to go all in in my business now. And so I ended up taking that ultimatum and saying, okay, I have no other choice other than to go all in on myself. And so I looked at myself and said, like, what would that look like to go all in? What do you have to do so that you can make it to, you know, the next week and to pay your bills and to just keep this growing? Because clearly this is your only choice right now. Or so I felt in my, you know, soul. (laughs) And so I just emailed every single person I knew, I thankfully had a lot of connections from my being in school and just like some of the past jobs that I had. And I got a bunch of freelance jobs and things just kept growing as I focused on the income producing activities. So all I was focused on was bringing in more work, bringing in more work. I wasn't focused about what is my positioning and what is this new course I'm going to create? And like, how do I market a podcast and monetize it? And like, All those things are great and good, but they have to work into your business model. And so when I focus back in on what are the things that are going to make my financial goals possible and growing from there, that's when everything changed. And so I went from that August having $200 in my bank account to December where I had a $16,000 month. And I was like, whoa, there's some, some special sauce here. And so once I had that, I realized you know what, I'm still in alignment with growing with team, all of these things. And I actually had the funds to be able to do that. And so I invested in a coach and I was able to really get my team management skills up and running. And that was really invaluable to me and being able to learn how to actually delegate properly and to run a team. And so I said, you know, for maternity leave, whenever that is, I want to get my business to a place where I can take as long of a maternity leave as I want. And so I knew at that point, I knew how to make money. I knew what income producing activities were. I knew how to land higher paying clients. I know how to do sales and marketing 
And what would this look like if we were to continue to build this and get team to execute? And so it took me about a year and a half and the maternity leave, I did end up getting pregnant. I went through IVF and other fertility things because of my endometriosis. And eventually I, you know, I got pregnant. I had my like nine month countdown and I made everything just slowly over time. I was able to get my processes in place, team in place. There were lots of ups and downs and issues. And over time we were able to get it together and I was able to take maternity leave and not really look back at that point. I love that so much. Okay. So lots of things in there. So you had start to build this business on the side, gaining really great traction. You were having people come to you and more work than you could really handle. So that's when you started to build a team and then you end up leaving your job and things kind of go the other way because now all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you had all this time. And so then you allowed yourself to get kind of scattered and, and focus your attention on a lot of different things. So it sounds like once you kind of turn the corner back to focus on what really matters in your business, that's when things really shot up for you. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I think I had that foundation, I had a savings before I left and I was just kind of, I was just so scattered. (laughs) So yeah, I needed to, to get back into that focus mode and really focus on the money generating activities in my business. And that's when I was able to, to scale. So if somebody listening to this is like, I I feel like I've got a lot of things on my plate. I feel scattered, but I don't know where I should be investing my time. Would you recommend in most cases, then bring it back to the basics of the sales and the marketing and bringing, getting the, the work in the door. And then if necessary, building the team alongside that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just depends on the life that you're wanting to build. And so what does that what income do you need to make? And is your business actually designed to create that income? And so I needed to raise my prices, which I did. I needed to spend more time talking to ideal clients and customers and putting myself out there and asking for the sale, talking to people who weren't necessarily reaching out to me and starting conversations with them, getting really vulnerable in those spaces and just making that happen. So yeah. Talking, talking to your people, your ideal clients. Okay. So I'd love to talk about raising your prices and I definitely want to touch on the team too. So raising your prices, you, you realize that you were undercharging mm-hmm. for your offers. And so what did you have to go through? Cause I know that can be very uncomfortable and I've done it myself. And I know in talking with others that it can be very uncomfortable to raise your prices because you kind of get comfortable with where they are, you know, how to sell from that place. So what did you do to, did you tap into your future self to make that transition into raising your rates and how did you approach that? So it actually, it weirdly happened overnight. (laughs) So our web design and branding packages, each of them were $1,500. And to me making at that point, making $1,500 was like, whoa, this is so much. And when I realized the amount of work that went into that and the amount of transformation that a business owner was having from the work that we were doing and what they were able to step into I realized that the value was, it just, what it was mismatched. So either people would be like wanting to get something done very quickly and cheaply and coming to us and expecting these like crazy things to happen, 
or they were getting like amazing results. And we were just very, like undercharging. They were making, you know, multiple six figures from the work that we're doing and we're charging $1,500 for a logo. And so I saw the actual results that were happening on the other side of working with us. And I just knew like, what is that ultimate transformation that we are helping people step into? We're allowing them to be completely understood by their ideal clients. We're helping them create a online home that allows their people to come to them to be able to take those next steps, to understand what they do, saving all of that time on sales calls and marketing and all of those next steps when this is done strategically, which is what we were doing. And I realized like, even if they booked one or two clients that would more than pay for what we were doing in their business. And then they would value what we were doing in their business a lot more too. And so I just had to sit there with myself and almost convince myself how epic our services were and how transformative they were for a business. And once I kind of like sat with that and journaled and convinced myself I literally overnight changed our services from $3,000 total to $12,000 and I booked one the next day. And so that was my first like really big shift. We're now, you know, in the multiple five figures for our high level services and it's grown since there, but that was like that first big aha and hump that I had to get over. That's so great. I, I remember when I, so when I first started my business, I had big goals of reaching six figures in my first year. And I just thought about what that would mean, you know, what that would actually take. And I knew that, so I started with this business, I started with Facebook ads coaching. And I just knew that if I was going to make six figures, that I had to get comfortable with charging higher rates for my coaching packages. And Mm. so I realized that that's what it would take. And when I thought about those numbers, at first it was very scary and very uncomfortable to think about those numbers. But when I thought, what about what I brought to the table and how much time I was saving people and teaching them Facebook ads specific to their strategy, all of those things and what that was doing for their business and looking at the results that we were getting too, that's where I slowly began over that first year, started to increase my prices. And each time it was uncomfortable. And still today, anytime I I raise my rates, it gets uncomfortable. But when you think about what you're bringing and you like, I like the way you put it, you convinced yourself because I know for me, I'm much more effective in sales when I'm truly believe in the power of what we're offering. And so, mm-hmm. and then when I see the results that I'm helping other people get, that helps to, to build that confidence in myself. And that's what you need in order to approach sales is that you, you've got to make the person on the other end, believe that you're going to be there for them and help them achieve that result that they're looking for. But I mean, you've got to do it with full authenticity and believing that and realizing it. So looking at, I think so many times it is easy for people to think about just the number and not realize the value that they're bringing to the, to the transaction. Yeah, absolutely. I had a mentor once who said, if you don't almost believe that you're giving this away for free and like how silly people would be not to do this offer, then you haven't convinced yourself enough to actually feel that same confidence. And so I do this with our programs. Now we have one that like helps people create their six figure foundations. And I'm like, dude, I'm giving this away for free basically because people make their money back and like multiples and multiples so often. And I have that like confidence in what we're doing with that. And I'm like, let's all, everybody get to that state. It feels so good. 
Yes. And then it feels good for everybody too. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I love that so much. So then in building your team, when you, you said that you had already started to build your team when you were working on your business on the side. And so what did that look like when you're still working? And then how did that change to this growth when you got laser focused on what you needed to do in your business? Yeah. So it looked when I was hiring out and I was in corporate, it looked like hiring other designers that were friends of mine because I went to art school and them doing more of what I was doing. So it was like multiplying myself at that point, just so we could take on more clients. And I was the one still doing the sales calls with the clients from my car during lunch breaks. And I was still the one creatively directing. So I had my hands in that, but I was actually hiring out the design. And when I was hiring out the second time, I realized that I needed to not just have a clone of myself. I think so many people, when they make their first hire, they think I need a clone of myself. Like they can do everything that I can do and we can just multiply this. And what we really need to be doing when we're hiring out is to get people who compliment us and do things that we actually either dislike doing and ideally both of these that we are bad at. So what do you dislike doing in your business? Write a big list of that. And what are you actually like not very talented at? Like those are two things that make a really great first hire and you can find somebody who thrives in that role that can support you. So when I was scaling the second time, you know, once I was full time, I realized that my first hire actually needed to be a project manager. So somebody who was, you know, doing all of the client details. I I'm a big picture vision person and when I get into details, my brain kind of spirals and I can do it. I obviously have. I'm skilled enough, but is that where I really thrive? Not so much. So I hired a project manager who was able to keep all of the schedules and the details and like communicate with the clients and do the contracts and all of that kind of work that I just didn't love doing so that I could focus on the strategy and the design and the the web development. That was kind of like my first step into that. And then once I, you know, that was in place and we were booking more clients, The next thing that I really did at that point was I profit planned my entire, all of our offerings. So I went through and I said, are these priced at a, at a place where if I hired team to do everything and I took myself out of the equation, would we still be profitable? So this is actually making the business profitable and you're charging for creative direction, for junior design, for development, for the project management, for client gifts, like all of those things, taking that into consideration, how can the business still be profitable? And so I actually broke that all down into a process. And, you know, as we were growing, I was able to hire out like bit by bit and bring on more at that time contractors into the team to support for those different aspects. And that's really how I was able to scale. And the last thing, you know, you kind of go through what does this business need to run? So going beyond just your individual processes, but what actually needs to happen in order to make sales. You need to have a person who can take sales calls or talk with your clients and customers. You have to have marketing that's going out like a la Facebook ads on like regularly that so that you can attract new leads. And there has to be like a system for making those sales. So that is what I got in place right before I went on maternity leave. And I was able to leave and just have the business running by that point. 
That is so cool. So you, you just mapped all of this out and then started to hire as you were growing, hire the people to fill the roles. And then you were able to successfully step away, focus on your new baby. And then how long was your maternity leave? So it, I technically am still on maternity leave. (laughs) I just started a new business. So I, here's the weird thing though. I got so like, I just was sad that I wasn't working at eight weeks. And so I was actually going through postpartum depression and anxiety. And I decided to put my son in daycare at eight weeks. And that's when I kind of came back and started getting time for myself. And that is when I started really scaling our coaching business. So I'm still technically on maternity leave and from the agency, I do, I do creative direction. So I get an email from my project manager every single week and I make a loom video going over all of the strategy, all of the, the direction based on what our team is doing and that's it. But it takes me 15 minutes a week at this point. And I have our agency running and growing and I'm kind of taking my time now to do the same thing within our coaching business. Wow. I love that so much. Well, congratulations on that. How old is your son now? He's two and a half. Oh, yeah. We're going through the process of like the IVF for next baby. I'm like getting excited for whenever that will happen. Oh, well, good luck. And oh my gosh, that's very exciting. So you mentioned that you had to learn how to not only build a team, but also manage a team. So mm-hmm. what changes did you make in, in understanding that? And now it sounds like you also have taken the management off your plate. So what does that look like? Yeah. So for the agency, it was easier because we did, we have contractors at the agency and a lot of their management is self-managed because they're technically running their own business. And so this was a really big lesson learned this year as we, we have at the end of this month, we will have six full-time employees in the coaching business. And I realized like that self-management that comes with contractors doesn't happen with employees. And I didn't realize that. And I've never been a manager of people before in corporate. I, you know, I did not manage people. I had projects and in the agency, we're pretty much managing projects and the people, you know, when you actually think about management and leadership, especially in a, in a company structure, people need to be led and they're bought into this company. They're not just doing these one-off projects and like, having that add to their sum of their income. This is like their sole thing. And so the management there is just very different. And I'm in this, like not unique, but interesting place for myself where I'm figuring out what is our company culture? What is our management style? How are we supporting our employees and living these amazing lives and having this career that, they have because of this business be a part of that and how are they feeling fulfilled in that it's it's kind of this is my next thing <laughs> it's not my ne- i mean i'm like i'm deep in it right at this second so it was a whole different management and leadership i guess up level that i didn't necessarily think about until i was in it and i realized it wasn't happening and that was causing some issues because all of my training before was just like you create the sops you get them going. We have the project manager who's delegating the task, but like that actual interpersonal, like team building management and like helping them grow as people, I didn't consider until recently. So that is something I'm definitely diving into more. 
Yeah, that's something I've definitely been working on with my team and growing our culture. And I feel like it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing thing that we're, we're always working on. We're always working to improve things and to really, you know, build the culture, but also we want to be supportive of our team members and their endeavors outside the business. We don't want anybody to feel like they're needing to work all the time or, or anything like that, you know, so managing workload and all of that. So anything, anything related to managing workload, and how you kind of balance that with your team members? How do you know when you're ready to bring on another one? What does that look like for you and your businesses? Yeah. So basically everybody has a certain amount of workload for the position that they are hired into. And so I look at, you know, what is everybody doing? What do we need to be doing more of specifically in our coaching business? We have about 50 clients who every coach can serve. And some of those people will have some like, okay, how many more clients can they take on? Right. There's like that number tied to it. And so when we want to be growing, for instance, right now we're, we're onboarding two new coaches because we are at capacity and we can't go have another launch because we don't have the coaches trained in order to take on the new clients just yet. So past me did not made that mistake. And I'm like, okay, Kelsey, like future you like really start to plan out those marketing efforts and the launches because you're growing quickly and we need to have people that can actually support the people. So I look at what does that future vision look like? I had been making decisions from like $5 million business targets. And so if we hit that $5 million, what revenue would be coming in from what sources and would the team that we have be able to fulfill that? And if the answer is no, we need to say, okay, at what point do we hire that next person? Because here's the goals and here's what we're heading towards. And we kind of like look at those, the, the marketing that we're doing, the, the sales that we anticipate getting based on past results and efforts, and then see when do we need to hire this person so that we can have the support for the sales we're anticipating. Great. Okay. So when it comes to hiring, where are you finding your team members? And do you have any tips to find quality team members who are going to be with you for the long run, as opposed to those who may interview well, but then may not eventually work out for the long term? Mm, I would say I am going through the ups and downs of hiring. And in my agency, we've had people who've been with us for over three years. And I think it comes down to you being really clear on what you need out of the position, the ideal type of person that you want, your core values, the the company culture that you have, and making sure that the person's goals and their life aligns with the opportunity that you're providing. So we have, there've been people who I'm like, oh, they're so great and all of this stuff. And then they actually get in and we're like, ooh, this is not aligned. And so I'm kind of working through that a little bit with our most recent hires and making sure that this is something that they will want to step into. And I guess you never really know until somebody gets in the position that they might interview well, and then they aren't a great fit, right? I I don't know how to like totally mitigate that. And 
This is something I've been working through with one of my coaches currently because I've been so scared to make the wrong hire because we had some hiring issues this summer. And I'm like, I, I, I can't make the, the wrong hire. I can't go through what we've gone through again. We're already at capacity. Like I had all these fears coming up. Right. And so I realized, okay, Kelsey, like what would future you do? Like realizing that I'm going to make mistakes and that's okay. And that that is how you grow as a business owner and as a leader, just knowing that if I'm hiring and doing the best that I can based on the knowledge and experience that I have, that I'm going to make a choice and it's going to move the business forward. And if something does go wrong, I'll be able to figure it out in the future. Staying stuck was keeping me stuck (laughs) and spinning (laughs) and I just needed to make a decision. (laughs) Yeah, that can be really hard because you, I mean, it, your business means so much to you and you hope that when you bring people on and into your business, that it means as much to them. And so it is hard. I think, I think from my experience with hiring, it's, it's always a learning experience. You know, the, our hiring process has gotten better and better and better over time, but it's not perfect. And I think that's just the way, you know, human nature is, is that there will be things that come up and, and, you know, difference differences in what they expected and what we, maybe what they expected the the job would be like, or their availability for the position or, you know, their lives then change. I know I've had people come on where then, you know, they have a major life event shortly after they come on. And so, you know, their availability just changed. So totally. Yeah. I think it's just always something that you got to keep you know, believing in your business and yourself as the CEO of your business. And I always, I know we have a lot of decisions to make. I always just have the faith that when I'm, you know, kind of nervous about a decision that, that I think in the end, it's always going to work out the way it's supposed to, that it'll always work out for the best. And even if it doesn't go perfectly, there will be something I learned from this experience. Absolutely. And I think even when things have not gone well, and I've had a lot of instances where things have gone really not well, I've always been able to figure it out and make it through. And so I just keep that belief that even I can't make a wrong choice. I will learn from whatever choice I make. And I just need to, to make the choice because staying stuck and spinning isn't going to get me anywhere. So I just have to have faith that I'll, I'll figure it out along the way. And I think we all do, we've all been through hard things and we're where we are today and we've made things happen. So I just have that belief in myself. Yeah. So you've, you've mentioned a lot about SOPs. And so I'm curious, what does that look like in your business? How do you create those SOPs? How do you ensure that they're updated? I know in our business with Facebook ads, things are always changing. You know, strategies Mm. are changing. What used to work is no longer working. So we need to update our documentation. That's just like a constant thing we have in our business. I can't imagine handle that. (laughs) That would drive me crazy. We did actually, we were doing trust management for a while, a couple of years ago. And yeah, that constant updating of like strategies and things. I was like, okay, like we're doing pretty much evergreen services. <laughs> but what we do, obviously there are new technologies and things that are changing. So what I love to do with SOPs is I'm a very like future visioning, dreamy type person. So I do my best work really early in the morning. And so whenever I have to create an SOP, I like to get up really early, get my cup of coffee and I sit down and I actually meditate first. And I think about what would the most dreamy experience be for this job? How would this get done in the ultimate best way? And I create these SOPs that are so detailed and so 
dreamy and I have so much fun doing them. I don't know why I thought SOPs would be terrible. A lot of people hate them for some reason. I love being able to like dream about the best way to do something and then hand it off. If you're into human design at all, I'm a manifester. You might be like, Kelsey, what in the world are you even talking about? But that is one of the things that like I do. I like to dream about it and then like put it into the world and then have other people support the actual execution of it. So for me, SOPs are really exciting. (laughs) And my team, we actually have people own the SOPs after I'm done with them. So, you know, if they go to the coaches, like those coaches own the SOPs and our director of operations will say, if we have a process update, she'll put it in a sauna, like Sally, like I always use Sally as a random name, but Sally, like edit the SOP and add this instead where that new process is being changed. So they're living, breathing documents and we're constantly updating them. But I like to get in that really exciting visioning place to first create them. So it kind of has that special Kelsey touch before I put it out into the world. I like that. I like that. So your director of operations helps to kind of manage that process and keeping it Mm -hmm. updated, but you're starting off with, with envisioning what the best way I love your word, your use of the word dreamy, dreamy way, dreamiest way (laughs) to, to create this process and have it be implemented in your business. So how have you had to learn or adjust with handing off things to your team? Because I know at first starts off, you know, like all of us starts off with us. And then we have, you know, as we grow, we start building our team and then we need to delegate to our team members. And sometimes that can be, I know there are certain things in my business where I'm just so happy, (laughs) you know, you take it, you have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I don't love to do, or I'm not as good at it, but other things where I, I know I can do it. I know I can be very picky about how it, how it gets done. How do you handle that? Or, or do you just make sure all of that is in the SOP? What are your, what is your, what is your advice for that? So I try to get everything in the SOP, but this is really where onboarding and training comes in. And anytime that you have somebody new, it's either you or that like senior person. So now we have a senior success and strategy coach on our team. So she is doing this. I fully trust her, but over like, you basically have to onboard them. They do the SOP. And then as they are doing things, you do need to like check in on their work and they need to send things to you for approval, especially in a creative field. And so I think those first couple months are going to be a lot of you looking over their work and then critiquing that and giving them the feedback. And the biggest thing that I think holds people back from scaling is or, you know, leading that team that can then make their own decisions and and take the rein from there is us as CEOs being like, oh, it'll just take me a second. I'm going to make the changes myself. And so if you actually take those changes back, you're not actually training your team to learn how to do it on their own. And that is something that will keep you stuck in that micromanaging and not being able to fully delegate. So I think resisting the urge to actually make the changes and always just teaching people, how does your brain work, explaining why you're making certain decisions and giving them that insight so that they can then in turn make decisions for whatever they are doing and know the why behind it. That is so powerful. And yes, I definitely have that kind of like pull where I'll be editing a document or something. And for efficiency sake, I think I'll just make it real fast and then tell her what I did 
But I know that for her to really understand and incorporate for the next time that it's better to have her make the change, you know, make that little edit or whatever so that, so that she can understand where I'm coming from. And I do try and it's not always easy in the moment, (laughs) but to take that extra, you know, extra few seconds to explain why I like it this way or want it this way, you know, as opposed to that way. I've been working on, on doing that, but I think that's a good reminder to realize it is in the best interest for the longevity of your company to be okay, to send it back and have them make the changes. Give yourself that permission. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to, because they're not going to be able to learn how to do it. And then you won't actually breed any of that trust. So if you don't trust them to do it on their own, eventually, like that's all the training that they need. So if you want to take that true step back, you got to let them do it. Yeah. And how do you handle when mistakes happen? I know it can be Mm. challenging, especially, you know, in the service-based businesses, like we have where we need to keep our quality high if you know and we're delivering this high value service and something goes wrong how do you approach that in your business and in working with your team members yeah so this could be a little bit different than ads agency where you're you have these very specific results i think with us we have our branding and web design agency. And so we have a lot of rounds of revision and things that are happening to make sure that the client is ending up with a certain result at the end of the day. And so if there's ever a time where something is being messed up or wasn't done the way that I would, there's time and there's rounds of revisions to always get it right. And so I know that with our our team members, especially that perfectionistic tendency can really keep people from doing the jobs that they can do really well. And I like to have a we almost like build in failure into our process. And it's something I've been writing our like onboarding materials today for some of our new hires. And I'm like, fail early, fail often, take the action. Don't be afraid to make a mistake because from that mistake, you're actually going to learn. And I know that this is probably not common in a lot of businesses, but like, we will not yell at you. We will not think that you're stupid for making this mistake. Like, please go make the mistake because it means that you're taking action and you're trying. And then the more mistakes that you're making, the more opportunities we have to get to a better state that can be closer to that quote unquote perfect. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. So I'm curious as you're now running your two businesses, what is your, what does a day in the life of Kelsey look like? I know you mentioned meditation in the morning. I'm just curious how you keep yourself focused and aligned with your businesses. What is, what does that look like? Do you have some special habits that you like to do daily or however often I'm curious what that looks like? Yeah. So I have four days where I have daycare with my son or nanny. And so I have those four days and I like to have a day theme. So Mondays are like all CEO focused. So what am I doing as a CEO? Having a meeting with my director of operations. It's like kind of all of this like internal stuff. Tuesdays, I usually keep for my call. So you saw today, I have my hair curled and my lipstick on. I usually get dressed on Tuesdays. So we have our coaching calls that I go to. And yeah, I meet with my coaching team and I do podcast interviews like this. I'll do guest experts. It's like kind of my day to show up a little bit more publicly. Wednesdays, I keep completely off for me just 
focusing on the work that I need to do as a CEO. So we're working on some internal projects and I need to be brainstorming and like creating content or some of those things. So on Wednesdays, I focus on that. And then Thursdays are a day where we meet to do critiques for our coaching program. And so I will be training new coaches during that time, working with our coaching team, doing the critiques for our clients and I also do the agency critiques that morning. So our project manager sends me that that Thursday morning email and I go through that and give her feedback. And then the afternoon is really like, what do I need to do to close out the week to make sure everybody has what they need and make sure I'm set up to go for the next week. Very cool. And can you share just a little bit about your programs? I know, and, and also what you're offering in your agency currently and then what your coaching programs look like. Yeah. So we work with service providers, coaches, and consultants, really all personal brands who are looking to scale their business online. And they're bringing something that's unique that they're passionate about, usually educational programs, you know, just services, things like that. So we work with both of those types of people in both the agency and in the coaching business, because the coaching business kind of spurred from people needing that next level business advice. So When you're kind of scaling to that six or seven figure mark and you're like, I need a brand that fully represents what I do, who I'm serving, and you want to make sure that it's all working together, talk to our agency. We can get you a wonderful brand and website that is like strategically making your seven figure dreams happen. And then in the coaching side of the business, if you want to find really creative ways to build a business that aligns with the life that you want to live, even if you're working five hours a week, which I was doing at one point and things intentionally look different right now. We have two coaching programs in the Align business. So one is about creating a sustainable six-figure business and making sure that your offerings and everything are, are really set and solid. So you can create that year after year after year. And then we have our Align business mastermind, which is about setting the foundation to scale to seven figures with all of the team, all of your company structure and the marketing efforts that are needed in order to make that kind of financial impact in your business. Love it. You're speaking my language. This is so (laughs) great. (laughs) I love it so much. And you also have a podcast. Can you share about your podcast? Yes. So I have the Align Business Podcast and that has been kind of a a diary of sorts. I started that like the day I left my job in corporate. So you can go all the way back and it has just been documenting my journey along the way. And most recently we're, we're talking more of that similar to what you're doing, Monica, like that scaling to seven figures, what does this look like to step up into that next big levels? And I've been bringing on guests. I've been talking about my own journey, the, the messy middle of hiring team and scaling with employees and everything that is just going along between life and business and just creating those big, cool things you want to make happen in your life. Yes. And I love, I love your focus on being future focused, thinking about your future self who has achieved these things and getting in that dreamy state of what would this look like if it was, you know, the best way to do something, the best way to build my business. I love all of that. I love it so much. So this has been such a fun conversation, Kelsey. Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us on the podcast. Such a joy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It was really great being here. I absolutely loved my conversation with Kelsey. She is such a joy and I love her approach to value-focused decision-making for your life and your business. Now, Kelsey and I would love to know your biggest takeaways from this episode. 
Share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 117 or tag Kelsey and me on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica and she's at Kelsey Kerslake. And I want to give a huge thank you once again to Kelsey for coming on the podcast and sharing her story and her wisdom with us. Now, be sure to check out her beautiful website at pinegateroad.com. Her team also built my good friend, Brittany Lynn's website. She's also been on the podcast and her website is at brittanylynn.com. And I'll put both of those links in the show notes. You can check out Kelsey's work. And remember, you will find all the links and resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 117. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. If you are ready to scale your business with high converting Facebook and Instagram ads, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you dive into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you love a good checklist. And also if you haven't heard, big news, Flourish with Facebook ads is now fully updated with all the changes for iOS 14. So if you're ready to up-level your business this year with Facebook and Instagram ads, this is the program that will walk you through exactly how to do just that. You can learn more at monicalouie.com slash flourish. As I mentioned, we'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned in the show notes, and you can find those at monicalouie.com slash 117. If you found this helpful, please be sure to follow the show in your favorite podcast app so you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. We've got a ton of great guests and great episodes heading your way. That is all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Flourish.